Hey, Rockheads, you might not know about Code on the Beach, a nonprofit, family friendly conference happening this August 8th through the 10th in Atlantic Beach, Florida. Lots of mobile, data, and cloud topics at the intermediate and advanced level delivered by industry heavyweights like John Papa, Nick Molnar, David Neal, Charles Petzold, Greg Young, and more. And .NET Rocks fans can enjoy a $50 discount by entering the code Rocks. that's D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S, at codeonthebeach.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1010, with guest David Graham. Recorded Thursday, July 10th, 2014. Thanks very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard. This should be a great show. Don't you agree, Richard? Aren't they all? They all are. That's true. <laughs> but yes, I'm totally with... Thursday's always a fun show. You know, we get to explore other ideas. I think this is going to be one of them. Yeah. And speaking of fun ideas, uh, based on the flow conversation that we had in uh, Oslo, this one is going to be... Uh, this Better Know Framework is going to be pertinent to that. Well, play that funky music. Flow state. We talk about in the zone where time just seems to go by and things that were otherwise difficult and challenging just seem to happen. Right. Well, I give you a device that you wear on your head that costs about 300 bucks that puts you in the zone. Oh, really? FOC.US focus. Cute. It's $250 US. Now, here's what it is. This is a TDCS uh, device, transcranial direct current stimulation. This has been all the rage recently. Um, basically, you put it on your forehead, uh, little electrodes over your temples or different places, and it sends low levels of electricity into your brain, and that causes your brain to do certain things. And the, the thing that it does best at a certain point is allow you to get into that flow state. And uh, I I would encourage you to listen to the latest, well, not the latest now, but to a Radiolab uh, podcast where they talked about this stuff. And I'm sure a geek out is coming up on it. I went out and I bought one of these things. Now, you can buy them. Uh, you can make them yourselves from, from a $20 electronics kit that you can buy at Radio Shack. So it's a... Uh, you know, it's a well-known sort of technology and how it works, and it's just battery-powered and a little bit of current to the right place in your brain, and you're all all of a sudden super person. But it, there are caveats, of course. You put it in the wrong place and apply the wrong amount of uh, charge, and you could find yourself in a funk or blacked out or burned or worse. So you do have to be careful with this thing. And I'm certainly not advocating that people experiment there are lots of cases on YouTube where people experiment by putting it in different places and ha all kinds of weird things happen to them. Hmm. But this one is focused on gaming. And so the idea is that, you know, you uh, in the experiments that they talked about in Radiolab, somebody who was doing a sniper training experiment was getting completely blown away before this. And then they did this therapy, if you want to call it that, and then were 100% effective. 100%. And so 
thinking that they just hadn't turned up the difficulty on the training simulator. They said, now are you going to make this hard or what? Uh, it's only been three minutes when in fact it only, it had been 20 minutes. So pretty astounding. And I imagine that uh, this can work for coding as well. Although there's a certain place on your on your head where you put the electrodes if you want to handle spatial problems, you know, such as video games. And then there's uh, another place for verbal problems or learning auditory things like or or or, or concepts. So um, can be very effective when you're trying to learn something as well in the right place. So there you go. Cool. Yeah. And I bought one, but I don't have time to use it right now, but I will report back my findings. It's weird because I find myself in this place all the time. And for me, it's not a matter of getting there. It's a matter of managing when I can go there because I don't want to come out. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's, it's kind of strange. I'm not sure what effect it will have on me, but we're going to try it anyway. I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. Like actual experiments. Hopefully, don't fry your brain. Well, you know, shooting electrical impulses into your head makes me nervous. Well, you know, this is a sort of a well-known device, and uh, you know, well-known in terms of the places and the amount of charge that it puts out there, and a lot of press about it too. So check it out. Focus f o c dot u s. Richard, who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment. Oddly enough, off of show 1001, the one we did with Mark Seaman at NDC, talking about flow. Yeah. And this comment comes from Ryan McDonald, who says, This show could not have come at a better time. This has been an area in my career that I have struggled with on every project I've been on. I tried the Pomodoro technique, or so I thought, but it didn't seem to stick. Mark presented an interesting benefit of TDD that I had never thought of when it comes to context switching and picking up where you left off. Mm. And I'm a big believer in the whole context switch thing. That Me too. The, the overhead of switching is really high, and that's it really knocks you down. You are not a microprocessor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, microprocessors suffer from context switching too, you know? Well, yeah. But <laughs> Actually. that's <laughs> They do it a lot faster than we can, though. Yeah. But that doesn't think it necessarily a good Doesn't idea. make it better, right. This is especially helpful when you are five or six layers deep into workflows you are working on through an application. I've come to realize that there is absolutely nothing I can do about interruptions other than triage them using some tips given on this show. It also reminded me of one of Oren Eni's videos on Pluralsight about decomposing code so that it allows for a quicker ramp time, which is really brilliant. You know, typical Oren, mm -hmm. just, you know, organizing his projects so that he can get back at them faster. Uh, and I love the comparison to the flow you get from playing music. Thanks right. so much for the awesome insights on show 1001. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Ryan, I'm totally with you. I'm glad it worked out. You know, this is a huge topic, and obviously we're going to talk about it some more. We're talking teaching and learning, and, and we'll keep digging away at it, get better and better at getting into flows. Yep. So a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you, and if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or with any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And that brings us to David Graham. David has been a Microsoft developer for the past 15 years. He's worked with Microsoft, Exxon, Apollo Group, and Adeco as a senior developer and architect. Now he's the founder of a nine-week intensive programming boot camp called Coder Camps that is opening up across the country. 
And uh, welcome, David. When you first contacted me about uh, the coder camps and stuff, you thought there might be a show in there. You know, we're we're a little bit sensitive to just blind promotion, but you came back with a list of uh, uh, topics around this that had both Richard and I really, really intrigued. So, I think our industry is taking a, a huge turn, and we're doing uh, a lot of cool stuff out there. So, I thought it would be something you guys might want to talk about. Where are we really here? What do you see the problem as? Because for the most part, I feel like the guys I'm working with, the consultants and so forth, we're as busy as can be. I, I measure my productivity in the number of no's I say per week. Right. Yeah. Well, I, what, I guess what you're saying is what a problem are we solving? And I, I think by you know the year 2020, we're going to have a deficit of us guys like us, uh, about 1.3 million in the U.S. alone. And so there'll be 1.3 million jobs out there that we don't have people to fill. And that's a lack of productivity on our teams. And, you know, there's only so much superheroes like you guys can do. So we need to make more people like that. And unfortunately, where the problem comes in is that the the colleges today aren't producing the people that we need for those positions. No, they really Um, aren't. I think you probably met people right out of college. And, you know, maybe one in a hundred is that rock star guy that you'd love to have on your team. But for the most part, they're just not um, filling filling that need. So I um, had that experience in the '90s in in college. That um, uh, it was really good for introductory topics and for comp sci topics and things like that. But in terms of getting into anything productive and anything uh, that that is remotely applicable in the modern world, it was lacking sorely. And you know that there is another argument that says. Those kinds of classes and things like that have value in that they do teach problem solving. They do teach you how to work with technologies that you don't know, you know, all of that kind of thing. Uh, There just doesn't seem to be, they just don't seem to follow the the current trends and things like that. Sure. I think that really does come down to the crux of what we're bringing to the table. I think you would all agree that the technology at some point becomes a little bit irrelevant that we teach people how to think like developers, like take the business problem and then turn it into a technical solution. Mm. And that that right there is the hard part. And I think to a certain degree, colleges have done a fairly good job at, at that that particular point, but then they get lost in the technology that they're choosing to teach them at the end of the day. Right. Because as they're coming out of college with all this C and C++, and C++ is still prolific, but the C knowledge, and, you know, when I went to school, they were using Pascal, and you know what? They're still teaching Pascal, and it doesn't make any sense. Well, you know? it is a good language to, to learn with because, you know, it, it does set the foundation for things that, uh, you know, for, for languages that you're going to be using in the real world. Sure. I agree with you completely. It just doesn't apply directly. The tack that we took was maybe JavaScript is a little more applicable to what we're doing today. Yeah. And you can still learn that functional programming. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything. Mm. Right. And yeah. arguably, it's, you know, one of the most widely applicable languages in the world. Like, you're going to be able to use it. But I, I'm with you that there's sort of a battle here between teaching technical skills and teaching the, the profession of being a software developer, of thinking of the way to think about the problem. When I think about what my value is that I bring to... Uh, a customer, when they say we want to do X, is the vast, um, you know, the big bucket of technologies that I know how they work and, and not necessarily the details of them, but just, 
you know, that, that store of knowledge of, of what works where and when, and then just being able to sort of zero in on a few things and say, well, I think this might be interesting if we took this tack and here are the, you know, here are the uh, benefits and the drawbacks of that. And then another technology, and you could do pros and cons for that too. But just knowing that stuff and knowing about it, uh, not necessarily knowing the details, but knowing about these technologies is probably, you know, the, the experience factor is, is what really is the value. Do you think? Yeah, I agree. So we're taking, from day one at our camp, we go through and we do real practical application development. We, we have them solving real problems. So before they come to camp, they have to do a little bit of those facts. I tell them, you know, if your boss wanted a, uh, some facts, they, they would just go buy a book. Right. You know, there's a, there's a lot of fact books out there. And so they learn some of those facts before they come to camp. What's a loop? What's variables? What's functional programming? Basically. But then when they get there, we, we give them, let's rebuild a Twitter app. Let's do some, you know, NoSQL and then let's move that from a NoSQL database into a SQL server database. Let's do, let's change things up in a real enterprise kind of way. And all the time we're going to do project management. We're going to do, those people skills that really make a person valuable on a team. Mm-hmm. What what do you see that colleges are focusing on now? I mean, you said Pascal was one thing. Is that just anecdotally, or? Well, yeah, most of mine is anecdotal since I haven't been there in quite a while. But um, I think what you know they're trying they're trying to ship, turn the ship. But I think their problem really lies in you know the bureaucracies that run around them, and and their cost benefit kind of deal is 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 waning a little bit. You know, yeah. they've made these promises over the last 20 years, and so many people got burned on that promise right. that they, they could not fulfill. And so now I think the younger generation is coming through, and they're saying, well, you know, my cousin, my uncle, my, you know, friends, they went through college, and they were promised a job when they got done, and they didn't get it, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think they've got some problems there, and just a trust factor. Um, but I, I think more to the technical points, um, they're not... Um, they're not agile enough in order to accommodate the new technologies quick enough. So if I, if a company comes to them and says, Hey, I would love to have Angular in your curriculum so that your guys coming out are going to have this awesome skill set that we need. Well, they, they, they say, well, let's go to our Dean. Okay. The Dean approves it. Let's go to the board of directors. Okay. It's in there. Now we can put it in the schedule for a curriculum for next year, because this year we already have all the students in this curriculum, and they can't change it. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you think there's a built-in disincentive for higher education and educational institutions in general to teach people how to learn for themselves? In other words, is it counterproductive for a teacher to give somebody the the the, the free thinking gene? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Su- I'm not super sure on that. I don't know if. If it's counterproductive for well, them, them, you're saying it's not in their best interest because it's not in their best interest. Yeah, because and that kind of stuff? what we want is, yeah, exactly. Because what they want is they want students that are dependent on them for their learning. Uh, you know, that the, why would they need to exist if they taught people how to teach themselves and learn for themselves? Yeah, I mean, I've never thought about it that way, but it's probably a good point. Um, it's in their best interest that they need to come back to school eventually. Exactly. So. We don't want people MBA getting it, and then, or whatever it is. Right. We don't want people hearing that message, getting it, and then dropping out of school. Right. That's right. a pretty cynical viewpoint of the system. 
Maybe I'll I'll lay that just say maybe that's an American system. Maybe you, and you guys are actually trying to make a profit off of education, where pretty much everybody else in the world it's it's either completely funded by government or at extremely low prices. Oh, I love the Canadian superiority. I'm dude. I'm kidding. I, I you're absolutely right, and I got that sentiment from um, actually from an American teacher. So yes, you're absolutely right there. But it's not just higher education. Uh, public education is the same way, you know. I was thinking about Damien Costello, the 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 Irish fellow met in Galway, running that class on mobile development, where in order to pass, you had to get a mobile app into the app store. Right. Yeah, I thought, which I thought was completely brilliant. It like, was focused on what was really important. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something similar to what we do as a graduation requirement. They either have to take on uh, a project internally, a private project that they're going to build for six weeks, or they have to work on the group project with a specific set of uh, goals within their sprint that they have to meet. So they can go two different ways. Meaning in the end, there's no better training than building software. Right. With people around you, you know, you just raise your hand and somebody comes up and helps you. I mean, you know, so many of these new guys, they're, they're sitting around kind of Googling or whatever, being and trying to figure out, you know, what do I even need to search for to fix this problem? Well, we can walk behind them as a senior and just say, hey, that's this, that's that, this is what that error means, and get them right, right over that hump really quickly that they would normally spend, you know, an hour trying to figure out. Well, or a day. Yeah. I mean, let's face yeah, it, more, how many more, days yeah. have we lost to thrashing? Oh, man, I've just experienced that myself. Not me <laughs> thrashing, but somebody else, yeah. It happens. Yeah, you talk about things to learn. Learn when you're thrashing. Right. And also have the 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 sense to say, maybe this isn't the right way. Maybe there's another way, you know, an easier way. Am I making this too difficult for myself? That should be, You should always be asking yourself that question. That's true. We find that a lot of the times they, they want to use that new skill that they just figured out how to do. And it's not always the applicable way. And so we say, take a step back, maybe go get a coffee and come back and look at this and say, now, what's the easiest way? And I guess it's the old adage that I think Bill Gates said a long time ago, find me a lazy developer and he's going to do it the fastest way with the least amount of work. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's kind of the attitude. We got to find the way to do it the right way with, without overcomplicating all the issues. What do you see wrong with the computing science curriculum in general? Like, what are you doing? What can you possibly do in nine weeks that would compare with a guy who puts four years into a comm sci degree? Well, I, I don't know you guys' background, but I personally was sitting in world history when I was in school, and I didn't have any desire to be there. I yeah. had, um, you know, I mean, I love world history now as an adult, as a, you know, educated person, but I took it upon myself to learn that on my own pace and at my own time. It was completely not relevant to the computer science industry that I was trying to do. I think also what we can provide that schools don't right now is a sense of really teamwork and camaraderie. Now, you could say that your class, you were really tight with probably four or five people, like I did. I call them my Fantastic Five. I went out there anytime now today that if I have a problem, I call one of these guys and almost definitely we have a solution put together. They're guys I met in college, but here we have a little bit better approach is you have 15 people that you went through a nine week, 1000 hour, almost 1000 hour course that you can call on, that you can come back to, you, you know, people come back to camp and it's not like we're just saying, all right, you graduated, kick you out the door. Mm. 
people come back and revisit topics. We add new curriculum to our to our program. So we want this to be a lifetime goal and, and experience for you, not just some uh, memorization to, to pass some exams and some tests and get a certificate at the end. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Is there uh, any kind of uh, curation of individual study interest at your camp? In other words, people come to you and they say, you know, this is what I want to learn. I need some one-on-one time with somebody to, to figure this out. Yeah, it's it actually a- something we've kind of touched on a little bit most recently. We're trying to work it into our program a little bit tighter, but we call it uh, shepherding. And so if you come to me and you say, you know, I'd really love to learn Xamarin or some cross-platform mobile applications, but that's not part of our core curriculum, right? Um, but we do have guys here on the staff and people on the team and maybe even some alumni that have gotten into it that we can hook you up with, try to mentor you in that direction that's, that's kind of important to you. Not, not to mention we have, we have a network of user groups in, in whatever going on in, in Houston area, which is just vast, and we can get, get, get you involved with the right people around here. But it is that connection with the alumni that seems to be the strongest thing, being part of this group that's gone through this curriculum and, and knows it and knows the way of thinking. Yeah, so it, it is a strong thing to hear somebody come in. You know, when they come in, they're kind of like, oh, man, did I mess up? Did I do the wrong thing? Just, is this thing for real? Because it's almost too good to be true. But after they hear from a couple of alumni that have gone through the program and are now successfully doing technology, you know, in, in doing what they want to do, man, you can just see lights go off. You hear that wow, that aha moment, like, man, I can do this. And it, it just fires them up. And those guys can come back and help. You know, they're, they're strong mentors for them in the future. I'm think I'm going through this right now with a, a teenager at home um, who's just graduated high school, wanting to sort of really interested in the programming stuff uh, because, you know, she's got that kind of a brain and, and likes it. But um, wanted to take some classes, you know, at local colleges and stuff. And I said, here, here's what you should do for the summer. Here's a plural site subscription. Take this introductory class and that introductory class. And after each one, come back to me and talk to me about it and ask me any questions. And then, then we'll sort of see, you know, how, how you're doing and how you like it and if it's confusing or not. And uh, I just think that this is sort of where we're headed. And you could see this in, in non-computer programming curriculum in colleges as well with uh, online courses and lectures and things that the, the things that you don't actually need to be there at a particular time to, 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 to see, you know, you can do offline, uh, online rather, and uh, not, not in a classroom setting and then get together with the people that you need to get together with in order to get those details and questions answered. Yeah, I definitely think that model works, and that's why we paired up with Pluralsight as a partner. They they give every single one of our students um, a free membership to their site for the whole time that they're here at camp. So it's it's definitely valuable even to our campers here if they want to go off, like you said, and learn, especially when they want to go learn these you know, different technologies that we can't focus on with, with the time constraints. Do you, here think, do you think that with this changing way that people are going about learning, that there's an opportunity to, you know, if you take the social aspect out of it, the an opportunity to bring in more women and minorities into programming? Well, we've already seen a dramatic increase in women as far as, uh, and minorities for that matter, as far as 
um, our population density of our students compared to the IT field as a whole, um, it's it's well well skewed to more uh, minorities and women in our program. And we didn't do that, you know, with an active effort or anything. But I think this kind of puts them uh, at ease a little bit. Part of those things that we have to overcome in this industry are those stereotypes that kind of daunted us for so many years. And so we've seen some really remarkable people come through here, amazing ideas and amazing abilities that may not have been able to come into our industry or or felt comfortable enough to come into our industry before. And that's exciting to me. I think you also saw that in the old old ComSky curriculum, which was also math heavy. You had you you went to one male dominated class after another. It's just so unlikely over a four year stretch that you're going to stay with it if you're constantly in the minority. To only commit nine weeks to a vocational exercise seems more likely you could actually finish it. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we had a we have a lady here right now that just published. One of the Microsoft evangelists came in and did a class, uh, a workshop, a full day workshop. Um, for us on producing, um, what are they called? Um, the applications that run across all screens, universal apps. Oh yeah. The universal apps. So across the platforms. Right. And she's already got four of them in the windows store before she even left camp. You know, she just produced, just ripping them out and she loves it. And it's just, you know, it's just proof that, and she told me, you know, if, if this program hadn't been here, there was no other way. Um, that I would have gone through a four-year programming CS degree or something. So, well, it you makes know. you wonder why there isn't more vocational-style training for software development. Well, um, don't give everybody great ideas of starting their own because trying to do that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think you know, I think it's almost like the too good to be true factor. Um, it's been a kind of niche market. Uh, one of those stereotypes you got to overcome is that you got to be great at math or you got to be you know, all these, you know, in, in that 1% of people that can think a specific way or whatever. Right. And and it's just not true. We're finding it out more and more. It's not true. And so, and so as more people get wind that it's just not the good old boy network that it used to be, we're broadening our, our playing field and a lot more people are coming on board, which is just exciting. It's a, it's, a, it's a great thing to see. You know, you talk about, like, demographics is kind of what we're talking about there. But it's not only you know, male, female, minorities, but it's also kind of the class bracket. You, If you go to a college and you see most computer science guys come from, like, middle-income kind of places, but we're also seeing people that come from a blue-collar background, welders, right. you know, truck drivers, and, and things that just had a genuine interest in it but never had the means to come up with forty grand to go to college. Right. And that's that, that really, to me, is is kind of powerful because you can change somebody's entire life, get them out, of, get them out of camp and double their salary. And that's, that, that's just a powerful message that we can put out there. And, and I'm, I'm, that's something I'm most proud of about our program. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. You guessed it. It's time <laughs> to encourage all our listeners to do their own research so they can stop listening to this stupid show. Ah, uh, <laughs> they're doing research that's why they're listening to this show yeah of course they are that's the job it's actually time to give away a developer express d experience solution to one lucky member of the dotnet rocks fan club but first let's talk about dev express universal 
Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant.net solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, Developer Express Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Raymond Musa. Congratulations, Raymond. Golf clap for you, sir. If you don't know what Raymond just won or what we're doing in general, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we give away great sponsor products like the D-Experience Solution and every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And we like to ask our guest, David, I don't know if you were prepared for this, but if you had $5,000 to spend on technology, as in, let's go shopping, what do you want, what can I buy you, you have five grand, what would you buy? Wow, I don't know. I, I think that focus device sometimes is needed around here um, <laughs> that you talked about earlier, but... Um, I would definitely go um, get a quadcopter. I don't know what it is about those things, but it's just something that's been interesting to me, and I haven't got to play with one too much yet. Well, for five um, grand, you can buy a heck of a quadcopter. You can buy one with I know, right? six rotors I want one on with it. Like an HD camera, so oh, yeah. my kids are getting a little bit older. I want to program it so it just follows them around on dates and when they go out with their friends. <laughs> <laughs> just that way, I don't have to worry. That guy. You know? and, there. I think everybody will have their own. Yeah, I can go out tonight, but my drone has to come with me. Nice. That's awesome. And you have a continuous like, Google Hangout stream. Just watch you where he goes. There there are, you know, really good copters now that have image stabilization, high def cameras on them and that you can get for about, you know, four grand. Right. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd still be un way under the bar, um, I think, for your $5,000 um, check there, but... Uh, some wearables are coming up. I think they're going to be kind of cool. The watches and stuff, I'm not super excited about. But mm -hmm. if I could program some stuff on them, it might get me in the right direction. Awesome. It's funny how, for us, the programmability of our new toy is a vital part. Absolutely. I, I don't <laughs> buy anything electronic unless I can do yes. something on it. <laughs> I want to change this myself. Yeah, customized. So I'm thinking, So we've got a nine-week class here. Focused on JavaScript, you get to build stuff in that stretch that nine weeks. And then you kind of come out the other end. Hopefully, you get to work on some kind of project. You know, for me, the transformation from a sort of technician, a code uh, hack, to being more a more serious developer is switching languages a couple of times. So, but you can't just do, you can't just, I've seen courses like this where you, you teach them Java, then you teach them C sharp, then you teach them, uh, JavaScript and HTML, and then you wonder why their heads explode. Yeah. You can't do anything <laughs> well. I'm just wondering how, you know, after that nine weeks, obviously the next thing to do is to get out the field and build something. But when is it time to, to pick up your next programming language? You know, I think people start picking things up along the way. Um, they, they they start playing with different things, you know, Ruby or whatever it is while they're here, most of them. Um, I think we've seen a lot of people, like I said earlier, interested in that Xamarin technologies and trying to go cross-platform mobile is the way, and a lot of people come in here entrepreneurial and, and want to do, you know, the next great um, WhatsApp or whatever. And 
Mm-hmm. And so they're they're trying to figure out how can I personally be the one developer on my team that creates that eighteen billion dollar company kind of deal. Right. And and so that's that's kind of where they usually are driven. You know, that problem is usually driving them to a, a multi multi surface kind of um, technology, which is right for the universal apps and .NET. I think that's one of the best things they've come out with in years, personally. And but I, and you know, should you start with C sharp? As I kind of like that you're starting with JavaScript. It's a more, in some ways, a more agnostic language. Yeah. But uh, I also think the next language you'd want to learn is C sharp. Yeah, we used to just jump right in on C sharp, and uh, we found it to be a little bit over the top for you know some of these guys come in with almost no programming experience. So uh, if we start out in the like, here's variables, here's functional development, here's um, you know, the right way to do JavaScript, and here's some really cool things we can do in the UI without SQL Server, without persistence, um, that's on a database at least. Uh, we start with NoSQL and that kind of stuff. Um, well, then they get a kind of feel for the things. They understand how to manipulate the DOM. They understand how uh, Angular works, which is an MVC pattern. You missed and one thing we- in that list of here's. Here's stackoverflow.com. <laughs> yeah. And here's .NET Rocks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the list of error numbers that you can look up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have we have a lot of those kind of little helpers. Um, and then you know if after they get through Angular and MVC and Angular, introducing them to a Microsoft's MVC pattern, well, that's just kind of the same thing. And they right. they recognize that patterns are happening now, and they, and they can see a bigger picture. But you know the what's fascinating is the path you go from popping up a dialog box in a browser to of hello world in JavaScript to Angular is pretty <laughs> rational. It's pretty straightforward. You know, it'll take a few weeks. It's a, it's a ways, but you, you go a long way with JavaScript in, in that behavior. What has mm-hmm. Microsoft done to help you maybe with BizSpark or anything else for students? Do you have any support from Microsoft? Microsoft has been great for us. I actually got to meet with with the vice president of UX uh, over there, and he was really supportive of what we were doing. We tried to get DreamSpark, but uh, we're just not the exact mold for DreamSpark. So what we've done is for the entrepreneurs that want to start their own businesses, we've become a BizSpark partner, and they've allowed us to start issuing BizSpark licenses to those students that we think qualify. And so it's a fast track for them to get um, basically everything Microsoft has ever produced and a free license for three years. Hmm. And that's pretty powerful whenever people come to camp with, a, you know, a trial edition of Ultimate or something. And then we can say, oh, here's, by the way, everything that Microsoft's ever done to go yeah. play. You know, it's, they've been really great. Really that's great. That's great. Uh, like I said earlier, they're, they're starting to do workshops here about every three or four weeks. Um, we're going to, we had um, the Universal Apps. Um, they're going to start doing a few others uh, with XAML based because we don't get into XAML and stuff typically here. But they're going to go over it in more detail, just a one-day workshop and that kind of stuff. So they've been really on board. Not to mention they host all of the user group meetings almost in town uh, and let us use their space over there. And BizSpark uh, also includes a whole bunch of Azure time, too. Like you, That's it's, right. It's not just the development tools. It's actually a place to run your, your app. Yeah, I think it's $150 a month um, for whatever you need it for if you're using the service, bu- service bus or you know, websites, whatever you want. So, so how many of the students are that entrepreneurial and how many are just trying to retrain into a job? Yeah, I think it's probably about 
25% of the people here are really coming just to start their own business. Um, but I think they would probably take the job first too. You know what I mean? Um, they, they recognize that they probably need to pay the bills while they build their new business. So most people do try to get hired as they leave camp. But, right. Um, you know, a, a large percentage of them come to me and say, you know, Dave, you started something here. You're obviously a serial entrepreneur like myself. How did you get this thing going and what kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. So. Well, they say, do you actually do placement? We do. Um, you know, that's what we've done. Trader for Rent is the other side of our house there. And they've done, um, we've done staff augmentation and placements for a number of years now. So um, we definitely help everybody go to hiring partners and get jobs. And in fact, so far, 100% of our graduates have found work. And not all through us, but in general, we definitely. Um, definitely but coming out of a nine-week course, like they're not experienced developers yet. How do you, how does somebody looking to hire someone with that level of experience, what do you do with them? What's the correct way to, to help them be successful? I think uh, the first kind of prerequisite as we're looking for uh, hiring partners is that they understand that they're not going to be the rock star, just senior developer guy. You know, sure. it's not what their function is going to be on the team. So if they're looking for guys that can go in and do bug fixes, if they're looking for guys that can come in and they understand that they're going to be learning on the job. Right. I yeah. think the deficit of good developers who think right right now is so great that they're, you know, willing to take a chance on a guy that's moved across the country, left his family and paid a large amount of money to come to camp, you know, and, and dedicate his entire life for nine weeks or her for nine weeks. And, you know, that, that says a lot. I mean, it's, it's dedication to, to going in a certain direction. But that being and, said, this should not be the first developer you're hiring in your organization. You know, um, I think it depends on the guy. Some of our guys already had computer science degrees. Some of them already worked in computer science. Oh, interesting. Some of them worked at NASA for 20 years and didn't have the skill sets that are to demanded today. So I think I think you could probably pick some guys out of our people that are definitely rock stars. So you know? also retreading, like just getting, I want to, th- uh, you know, I, I've been programming a COBOL. Make me That's think right. differently. Yep, yep, exactly. Teach me the new skills that I can go out there and get a job today as opposed to waiting around to teach myself or, you know, waiting for that next cobalt gear to come through. Is there so, any prerequisite at all for your class? Yes. We we do make sure that people have at least tried to program on their own. We don't want people coming here and then doing our doing our like learning beforehand. That's some of our prerequisites. But one of just to get approved before coming to camp we make sure that they've at least tried some stuff on their own. We talk to them about what they like about technology, what, they, mm. what they're interested in and where they want to go in their career. Because the, one of the worst things that could happen, it hasn't yet, but if somebody showed up with no, in, no abilities whatsoever, and then they just absolutely hated it. Yeah, right. Know? It could happen. I mean, we Actually, all love it. But uh, you've been through that, haven't you, Carl? I have, yeah. I had uh, some guy who listens to the show had a couple of developers that were cold fusion developers. And he sent them to my class, which was really for intermediate to advanced uh, developers. But it was all about the new stuff. It was all about .NET. And these guys were, it was an ASP.NET class. And they were so not liking it because, you know, we we went through all the processes that you need to to get a, a really good scalable ASP.NET app up and running, which is multiple tiers and, and caching and all of that stuff. And they were just used to draggy-droppy, and they hated it so bad they wanted their money back. 
Yeah. Right. They wanted their WYSIWYG back. They wanted their WYSIWYG. They're like, they thought it was dumb. Waste of time. I can't remember if it was a class that I taught or, but like hadn't used a mouse before. What? Right. And he's just like, boy, we're a long way before you could start even thinking about this stuff. Yeah. So there's definitely some prerequisites. We don't talk to them quite, not knowing about mice, I don't think, but um, <laughs> we definitely talk here guys that just kind of get the, the numbers of it. You know, you come to camp and you pay a certain amount and you end up with a job that's around 70 grand. Hmm. They, that sounds really enticing. So they're going to call and they're going to try to apply. And that's not what we're really looking for. If, if your only motivation for doing this is to get a job, if that's the only thing you're looking to do, we don't really look at that as a, as a, a path forward for you. You have to really like it. It's a super intense thing. For most people who do like it, this program is still the hardest thing they've ever done. So if you come in with the idea that you don't even know what we're going to be teaching you or, you know, or what we're actually doing, it's, it's just going to be impossible for you. It's not for everybody else. And uh, these camps are on site, right? Are they at different places or are they all in Houston? Right now we're in uh, Pearland, which is just south of Houston. We're a suburb of, of Houston. Uh, okay. We're looking to move out in, into the rest of the country. Um, we're, we're definitely looking at some new spaces. You know, we want to be where people are and where people need us the most. And so we're looking all around the country right now. All right. And it's uh, codercamps.com. That's right. Yeah. Hey, David, thanks very much. This has been great. Hey, guys, I really appreciate your time. You bet. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.